everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, Chris Weigel. And every weekend, we're here, we're doing life together, and as always, we're so glad that you've joined us. It is the weekend yet again, Dr. Linda. Love it. It comes and goes like this. Although it doesn't feel that different than the rest of the days of the week somehow, I don't know. <laughs> that is very true. Well, today on the program, we have a very special guest. His name is Dr. Fred de Blasio, and we are continuing our discussion on dealing with someone who has narcissistic personality disorder. Dr. Fred is a friend and fellow academic of Dr. Linda's who has spent years working with couples and families. He specializes in working with narcissistic personality disorders. And just a little background on Dr. de Blasio. He is a licensed clinical social worker and a professor in the School of Social Work at the University of Maryland, Baltimore. He is a noted author, a researcher, and a therapist known for his writings and clinical work on forgiveness and the subject of today, personality disorders. And like you said, Chris, we are going to continue that conversation on better understanding how to deal with people who have been diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorders. Chris, what stood out to you the most about our first show? And I, I want to encourage everybody to go back and listen to mm, that first right. show on, on the iTunes podcast because it was so good. Was there anything, though, that really stood out to you? Well, you know, we talk about narcissists and then we say, that person's such a narcissist and they act like that or they have these certain traits. But Dr. de Blasio pointed out the fact that someone who has narcissistic personality disorder, their brain is actually physically different than someone who doesn't have it. Yeah, and I think that really made a difference when we were talking about the need for empathy mm. because he talked about how different structures in the brain are changed as a result of the narcissistic personality disorder. And that means that if we can understand that somebody is having some brain issues, mm. then maybe it makes us a little bit more empathetic, maybe a little bit more compassionate when we're working with people because this type of person with this disorder is very difficult to deal with. Right, and when you understand that it's a physical problem, not just an emotional type thing they're dealing with, it does make you respond to it a little differently. Um, I thought he did a great job of explaining what narcissistic personality disorder looks like. In fact, that's where we will pick up the conversation for today. First of all, even before you consider the symptoms, you have to ask yourself, uh, has this person had this particular kind of uh, problem all their life? Uh, and if you find that, you say to yourself, you know, this sort of began when they were 50 years old, then it can't be a personality disorder. Personality disorder means that it's part and parcel to who you are as a person. Generally, uh, we really don't like to diagnose uh, adolescents or kids with uh, narcissist personality disorder, but from a young adulthood on, they must have had these symptoms. I'll go through uh, the nine of them, and remember, you only need five, and they need to be pervasive. They can't be something that just pops up, you know, once in a while. One of the things that you're talking about that uh, people will ask about is that it has to be enduring. It has to be this persistent pattern that you see. And I think that's one of the reasons why we don't diagnose that in childhood, correct? Because we just haven't had enough time to see these patterns right. developing. Exactly. And then, you know, when someone's going through their teen years, I mean, what's the difference between being a teen and perhaps having a personality? <laughs> <laughs> you're a little self-centered at that point anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, I know I was. Yeah. And, uh, I'm glad no one does diagnosed them. So, uh, well, the first one of those symptoms is a grandiose sense of self-importance. 
and by the way, as you uh, for your listeners, if they think there is someone that perhaps they feel might be a narcissistic personality disorder situation, they could be thinking of that person right now. And that will help them kind of remember these particular things we're going through. Not that they should diagnose that person, but just so that they're familiar with what's involved. The second one is they have this uh, fantasy of uh, unlimited success and power and brilliance. The third one is that they're special and unique and that they can only be understood by high status people. The fourth one is they require excessive admiration. The fifth one is a sense of entitlement. The sixth one is they take advantage of people and are interpersonally exploitative. The seventh one is they lack empathy. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally, I see that in almost every single case, they lack empathy. Let me just explain that a little bit. They don't completely lack empathy. Uh, in other words, they can be very empathetic and loving at times. But for the most part, especially with the ones they love the most, in the majority of the times, lack real empathy for them. They tend to be jealous and envious. That's the eighth one. And then there's halty behaviors or attitudes, and that's the ninth one. So again, you're looking, uh, do they have a pervasive maladaptive pattern of these things over time, at least from a, a young adulthood on, uh, where they have five or more? that they're known for. So if, the, if somebody's listening to this and they're, you know, they're thinking of the person like you asked them to do, I thought that's a great way to, to do this. And they're going, oh yeah, check number one, two, three, four, five. Well, maybe there's even six and seven here going on. Dr. de Blasio, uh, just by way of context, if we look back in history, is there anything historical or possibly someone in the Bible that you could reference who exhibited a narcissistic personality? First of all, of course, a professional can't diagnose someone uh, from the past or present uh, without having interviewed them. But I can talk a little bit uh, biblically, uh, for example, that Pharaoh seemed to have some narcissistic qualities about him. Again, I won't diagnose Pharaoh as being narcissist personality disorder. But that's interesting. Why Pharaoh? Well, first of all, he was very stubborn and had his way or the highway, Mm -hmm. uh, which is not officially part of the symptomologies, but it is a common characteristic of someone with narcissistic personality disorder, uh, and that he wanted things to be a certain way. To him, I believe Moses was a real threat. And that brings out that jealousy and that envy because he saw the love of the people for Moses. He would make one promise after another, but then come back and renege on it. We don't know how much of that was uh, spiritually motivated, perhaps by the other side, but we do know that he was a very tough personality to get along with. So here's something that we've heard people say, and that is, you know, if they see these these signs of a narcissistic personality disorder, they'll say, well, can he even be a Christian and still behave like that and have that type of disorder? Well, here's the thing about narcissism, and I know this is going to sound strange, but we all are narcissistic. We all are sinners. We all fall so far short of the glory of God. And we may say and look at a narcissist, well, he's really horrible. But we don't realize our own horrible nature. We needed Jesus to save us from our sin. So when you start seeing sin in God's eyes, in other words, if you're feeling really haughty and you feel that you're a much better Christian than the narcissistic person you're thinking of, 
uh, you have to realize that there are so many things that are wrong with uh, us because of our sin nature. Hmm. So the answer to that question is certainly yes. There can be a narcissistic personality disorder who manifests some of these symptoms. Now, remember, many of them do not manifest the symptoms 100% of the time. In fact, sometimes you will find a person doing quite well, for example, in the business world, that doesn't manifest the symptoms of entitlement and some of the others, but will manifest the symptoms in the home. I think it's important when I talk to a person who's a Christian who has narcissism, uh, I really do emphasize the idea that they have to start considering the behavior that results from their problem is sin. Well, sin is not a popular word to use in our culture today, but as Christians, we need to acknowledge it as part of our brokenness. Stay with us as there's much more to come. Conflict is a part of every healthy relationship. How you deal with conflict is what will either grow or destroy relationships. Do you avoid? Maybe you become highly emotional and then regret what you said or did. Getting control of our emotions is not always easy, but it is possible. Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel, and I wrote the book, We Need to Talk, in order to help all of us deal better with conflict. We Need to Talk, available at bookstores and online where books are sold. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and today we are talking about dealing with a narcissist. It's part two of a fascinating conversation that we had with expert and therapist Dr. Fred de Blasio, and you may want to check out the first part of this conversation on our iTunes podcast. Just search iTunes, uh, the Dr. Linda Mental Show, to find the podcast, or you can go to drlindamental.com and find the direct link on her website. And while you are there, be sure to check out her blogs, books, and you can connect on social media. Her book, We Need to Talk, devotes an entire chapter to dealing with difficult people, especially in handling conflict. So help the person who's listening who says, but, but you don't know, you haven't been in my home. He's frustrating me. He doesn't listen. He's always right. He always thinks he's the best at everything. I don't know how to respond to that. How should that person respond? Well, first of all, what I would do is ask the person, let's figure out how often what you said is true. And, of course, they might say, well, it's all the time. (laughs) And when you dissect it, you might find out that the person is only like that 50% of the time. Uh, And then you will say, well, when they're not like that, what are they like? Uh, and have them really focus. The more severe personality disorder people are obviously that all the time or most of the time. Oftentimes a narcissist will go what I call into a tunnel. So in other words, something strikes them that is not what they want. uh, And all they see is the end of that tunnel of what they want. And so their brains just sort of lock where they're in this narcissistic orbit. You can literally see that. And sometimes it even it happens in therapy, where you actually have a person, you, you've already discussed these tunnels, and you say, are you in a tunnel right now? And a lot of people will actually admit it, well, yeah, I am. And then you explore it, and then you provide a calm period, a timeout. Timeouts are very important for people with uh, narcissism. It probably helps the people around them a little bit, too, in terms of focusing on that. So would you would you say to the person who's living with someone who's a narcissist, you've got to be extremely patient 
in this process that this is not going to be a quick fix? This is going to take a, a long-haul approach? This is hard. I know it's so hard. But for them to have the love of Christ, uh, mm-hmm. to be empathetic, to say to themselves, you know what, uh, his brain right now is just not clicking right. Mm-hmm. This would be so much easier if it were mental retardation. Now, please hear me, narcissistic personality is not mental retardation. But if you have someone that has mental retardation, then there is a lot more love that comes forward when they do something inappropriate. You could still set boundaries. You could still you know, hold the person accountable for what they're doing. The idea is that you begin to have an, more of an empathy in your heart. You, you really need to reduce your expectations. So mm-hmm. if you're constantly comparing your spouse to what you dreamt that your spouse would be like when you're married, uh, and you're constantly comparing a narcissist to that 10 out of 10, you're going to set yourself up for great disappointment. So you really do have to adjust your uh, your expectations. Suppose I'm at work, I have a co-worker or a boss, and uh, I suspect that they are very narcissistic. They're not a family member. How do I address this, or do I even dare try? <laughs> well, actually, that's a great question. Uh, one thing, especially about bosses, is uh, people who are in leadership positions many times have the struggle with narcissism. Because they're willing to kind of do the things needed, sometimes they'll step on other people's backs in order to get where they are. And uh, they become very poor leaders because of that. I remember I had a a person uh, at a university who was a colleague who had some problems. I'm not going to diagnose him, but um, he uh, really sent me the worst email in the world, as you can imagine, with all kinds of uh, uh, obvious signs that he was having uh, narcissistic uh, problems at the moment. I wrote back to him, oh, that's an interesting perspective. We're not quite in agreement. Why don't we have lunch and talk it over? And I didn't hear back from him. In other words, uh, don't engage uh, where you can uh, avoid the engagement of the negativity. Uh, Be loving, be kind, but try not to um, get into round and round and round the circle arguments with people or especially be on the lookout for their moods. Um, and I do think, uh, back to the admiration, where you can, you, you do admire them for their strengths. It is okay if someone has strength to go ahead and admire that and uh, to use that in your conversation with them because it makes them feel more safe for you to have a relationship with them. That response is counter to what you want to do because when you are with a narcissist, the last thing you feel like doing is, is pointing out their strengths because as a person, as, as a flawed human, you don't want to point out anything positive about them. Right. And then there's also that thought, you know, if I sort of give them an inch, they're going to take them right. off. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Get Here we go theory. again. Yeah. Excessive admir- admiration. You know, you're, you're fearful about that. And so I, I think you just have to give up the idea that mm-hmm. you're going to change them. Yeah. You have to ask yourself as a coworker or as an employee, you say to yourself, you know, I've got to live in a situation. I don't want to cause unnecessary irritation. Uh, I don't want to tempt them with unnecessary irritation. And here's the big one. Try in your mind and your heart to see this as a brain dysfunctional mm-hmm. disorder. Mm-hmm. Try to have a more loving attitude in your heart and just don't engage in all of the dysfunction uh, wherever you can. 
Wow, that is not the easiest thing to do. You want to engage with that person and you want to set that person straight. But you're calling for us to have more empathy and to resist getting into a battle with that person. Wow, that is just great information. Back after the break to talk specifically about the role of faith in dealing with such a difficult person. Some days, I simply have to fight discouragement. When those days come, I like to read the Psalms and meditate on the cure for my discouragement. Take Psalm 103, for example. David, feeling discouraged, talks to himself in a way that uplifts his soul. He tells his soul to bless the Lord and to remember the benefits of serving God. David wrote this psalm to encourage himself in the Lord, something I know I need to do regularly. Instead of focusing on all of his problems, David decided to engage his will and rehearsed the goodness of God. He begins the psalm by blessing the Lord. Then he speaks to his soul and reminds himself of all that God does for those who are faithful to him. So when you feel discouraged, do what David did and encourage yourself in the Lord. It will transform that discouragement to praise and gratitude. The other night, I had an interesting conversation with friends at dinner. We were talking about the idea that Bible stories were not just nice stories, but they were there to help us relate to difficulties when they come. Now, I know this wasn't exactly a new thought. I know we know this. But how often do we think about what we are going through and actually place our life stories in the context of those Bible stories? So here's what we did. We took turns and we related a current issue that we were each having to a specific Bible story. Then we used those stories to encourage one another. So for example, one of my friends had a relationship with his boss that felt a lot like David's relationship with Saul. One moment the boss was praising him and giving him assignments. The next moment, the fiery spears would fly. Like David, he trusted God for his tomorrow. He often wondered about the timing of God's intervention, but trusted that God was working on his behalf and the plans God had for him were good. Another friend related to Joseph. She was in a job, unappreciated, and felt thrown to the side while others ascended and were promoted. She could really relate to being in the prison of neglect and rejection, hoping and praying that the king, the boss, would remember her and release her from false charges that caused the rejection. Like Joseph, she believed God would restore what was lost. By the end of the dinner, we were laughing and smiling. Life may have thrown us a few curves, but we were determined to react to those curves like the people of faith who went before us. So the next time you need a little encouragement, hey, grab that Bible storybook and think about the lessons we teach our children. Those stories aren't just for kids. They can really encourage us too. You're listening to the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and Dr. Linda has written numerous books that you can find on her website or online. Her latest book, co-authored by physician James Cribbs, is Living Beyond Pain. Make sure you go to her website, drlindamental.com, or online and order your copy today. In case you just joined us, we are talking to our special guest and expert, Dr. Fred de Blasio. I'm so glad, Chris, that we're having Dr. de Blasio on the show. This is really a tough thing to deal with when you have narcissistic people in your life. It's not easy. And Dr. de Blasio, you're giving us such great information that I hope is going to be really helpful to people that are listening. This is part two of our conversation on dealing with a narcissist. Okay, so what do you say then about the role of faith? Because I've had patients come in and say, 
well, I don't understand this. He says he's a Christian. He has the Holy Spirit in him. Why isn't he able to exercise that self-control? Or what's going on where we're not seeing the fruit of the Spirit in this person? Or, you know, they're not humbling themselves before the Lord. How do you have those kinds of faith perspectives when you're dealing with this type of a, a disorder? I believe that we're never tempted beyond our ability to control the temptation. Uh, the scripture is very clear about that. But with everything, there is a door of escape. So the narcissist who is cruel to someone who is acting sinfully toward them, I personally believe that they do not have to do that. But it does take a lot of work. They have a lot bigger mountain to get over than normal people. Now, the other thing to realize, God allows abnormalities in brains all the time. I mean, it's like we go back to the mental retardation issue, that uh, someone's mental retardation, uh, God knew that person's brain, he created that person, and we definitely have uh, understanding of that. In terms of the person of faith, sometimes people are not Christian who have narcissistic personality disorder, but they may have played the role of being a Christian. So one of the reasons they're missing the fruits of the Spirit is the fact that they really don't have a commitment to Jesus Christ. Mm. Okay. But the Holy Spirit certainly can help a person in terms of gaining that type of control. So we're we're including yes. that in terms of into the work and saying, look, um, with the Holy Spirit in you, this is where you ask God to help you in this area that you're, you know, struggling with and that is making your relationship so difficult. Yes, and, and one of the scriptures that uh, I will work with with people is Romans 12, 2. This says, and do not be conformed to this world, but mm. be transformed. Mm -hmm. The word there is metamuphio from the Greek, which means obviously a metamorphosis, not just adding things on, but actually transferring and converting being transformed by the renewing of your mind, interestingly. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. By the renewing of your mind, what I would like to see that is the rewiring of your mind, mm -hmm. that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I really do think that uh, there is a key there uh, in Romans 12, too. So helping the person be consistent with the behaviors that we would say would be consistent with our faith of being loving and kind and compassionate and caring for others. But in that journey, understanding that there may be some things in your brain that make that a little more difficult. You know, when you're talking about that, I'm just thinking of the, the person who's diagnosed with ADHD and how impulsivity is an issue and they have to work on that impulsivity, uh, whether they take medication or not. It's just a, a, a thing that they understand about themselves, the way they are uniquely designed. And that is something that people have to work on. Same thing with people who are more predisposed to depression and maybe have more of a, you know, pull towards that, that they have to be aware of that. They have to do the things that they we know work. This is one of those disorders where we know a whole lot more about what works. And you're saying if they go in and they get the help with a the therapist, then there is a lot that you can do in that therapy room to help that work and be more conform to the image of Christ and, and be more compassionate in their relationships. I think, Dr. de Blasio, that, you know, people don't like that their interpersonal relationships are so difficult. I mean, that's one of the things that people say when they come in. They usually come in because somebody is complaining in their life that, you know, you're too difficult to work with. So is that something that is a motivator for people to get help? Well, yeah. I mean, they feel, like I said, misunderstood 
They mm-hmm. feel in love. They feel others are treating them cruelly. They think their partners don't understand. So they are very depressed. And, and when you scratch that uh, and look for some solutions for that in a therapy with them, they are actually very get very connected. And it makes the harder part, again, if you're strength-based and loving, it makes the harder part of, hey, you, you really do well here. You're good at this. You're good at that. But when it comes to how you're dealing with your children or your wife, you're not doing so hot. Uh, Maybe if you could apply some of those skills, for example, you have in your business, perhaps apply them at home because when, you know, uh, you can actually build them up. It's it's like a stroke, 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 kick, stroke, (laughs) stroke, stroke. You know, it's like uh, you, you slowly work that way and they feel your love and your connection and your admiration. And it's okay to admire them. I know that sounds crazy. Because you say, well, they have an excessive need for admiration. It's okay to admire somebody. I think that's something we all should do with each Mm. other because God created us. And that's another spiritual aspect of this, that before the dawn of time, I call it eternity the other way, meaning that God foreknew us, Psalm 139, and before one of our days were lived, he knew all of them. And there's something about in your life, if you, for example, are connected to someone with a narcissist personality disorder, that God knows that. That was part of his design. Uh, it's hard to understand it, but accepting uh, the role in life that you have. You may not have a life where you have the perfect partner or uh, someone that needs a lot of help. And then vice versa, if you happen to have a personality disorder and you say to yourself, you know what, my brain doesn't quite work right, then that's part of the way you were created. Some people will say, well, no, God would not have created any deficiencies in the brain. Uh, I don't think that's true. I think we all have deficiencies. Yeah, we live after the fall. So uh, yeah. there's there's disease, there's disorders, there's a lot that we have to contend with. Well, very helpful, great information. Sounds like you would give hope to people that get some help, get in with a therapist who understands how to work with people with narcissistic personality disorders, get in as a couple or a family even if you can, and that there's hope that things can definitely improve and get better. Yeah, I think it's a little bit like addiction. If you see addiction as a chronic brain disorder rather than a moral failure, you view it really what for what it is, then you can have a little bit more compassion. You can respond a little bit differently. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dr. de Blasio. You obviously are somebody that has a lot of expertise in this area. We appreciate you, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you. It's been such a good, actually, learning experience, don't you think, Chris? really has. I mean, you can be more empathetic toward someone with narcissistic personality disorder knowing what they're dealing with. That's right. Well, that's all the time we have today. Many thanks to our producer, Norm Mental, and our special guest, Dr. Fred de Blasio, our engineer, and my co-host, Chris Weigel, who always makes the show a conversation from all of us here at Faith Radio. We'll talk to you next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. 
And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.